Hey, what's happening, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Supermarcado Bros Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Once again, this is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Today on the podcast, we're taking a listen to three Super Nintendo soundtracks. And these are the first three Mega Man X games. So this will be sort of a, a really fun episode topic because, yeah. you know, we've talked a lot about the music to the Mega Man series. Um, and some of you may know, you know, Carl and I are just huge fans particularly of the first two uh nes games um but indeed i I, th- I think both of us would probably agree that after the uh early nes Mega Man games i think uh some of the best soundtracks really are in these first three uh Mega Man x games for the super nintendo they're so good and this is going to be so fun because we've yet to have an episode just dedicated to these three games and these really are some of the most rocking snes uh you know soundtracks that were ever composed Mega Man x really set a standard and set the stage for what is rocking 16-bit video game music it was right. a fairly early 16-bit release so what it did is it kind of set the stage for how are we going to make uh you know Mega Man music rock in a new way because you know up until sure, how to transition into this new era exactly because we were always using our imaginations before with the NES right and like the melodies and the rhythms were really exciting and rocking but we kind of had to imagine the rest whereas now you're able to really flesh it out with you know rock guitars and bass and loud crashing drums and it was a really definitely an exciting moment for the series but when I go back and listen to the Mega Man X soundtrack I realized that it kind of informed a lot of other video game music not not even Mega Man like maybe just Capcom Konami there's so many classic soundtracks that when we when we go back and listen to it I feel like a lot of them had uh, Mega Man X to thank for some other influence yeah I I think that's a good point Carl throughout the history of doing this podcast we have uh, on a number of occasions you know referenced this series as in terms of like oh you know these guitars really remind me of Mega Man X or the chords here kind of have that you know Capcom Mega Man X sound we we reference these games all the time because I think their influence um is uh quite large and what's cool is uh, so we're only going to be focusing on the music from the first three in the series now obviously the series continued on things like the playstation and things like that and there is cool music um but they definitely went off in a lot of different directions and even today you'll hear that you know some of these sequels kind of go off a little bit in different directions but yeah starting with the very first game in the series Mega Man x which came out in 1993 uh rocking soundtrack we can't wait to get into it we're going to play a lot of music from today um yeah i mean this is sort of like a trilogy of games i mean the series mm-hmm. continued obviously but these ones have sort of a consistent musical identity they and do. it's because they were all on the same platform so the composers we have on the first one it's quite interesting we have a large list of composers that worked on Mega Man x i think uh capcom was really concerned with making sure that this was a successful rocking soundtrack we have setsuo yamamoto makoto tomozawa Yuki Iwai, Yuko Takahara, 
And finally, we have Toshihiko Horiyama. Those are the composers that worked on Mega Man X. What you guys heard up top was Opening Stage, which is such a classic melody. Uh, definitely when I think about Mega Man music, that is probably something, one of the first melodies that comes to me. Uh, definitely played a lot of Mega Man X on the emulators growing up, and that was a melody that was you know always in my head because it was the opening stage. So I did play that stage quite a bit. Let's keep going. We have some great music to get to. Let's start things off with uh, a stage theme. This is launch octopus stage from Mega Man X. We're definitely in a new generation of Mega Man, that is for sure. You guys are listening to Launch Octopus Stage from Mega Man X for the Super Nintendo. This came out in 1993 and started a new kind of sub-series of Mega Man games. Uh, What I think is so fun is I always love when we have contrasting weeks. Like, we think back to last week, (laughs) listening to that really sophisticated, kind of soft, pretty wow music. Going to this, it really is nice to go back to like a classic rocking SNES focus here. So I'm so excited to to just kind of get pumped today listening to this stuff. I believe this is a track that we've never played before. So kind of a new piece of music for the the podcast. Will, what are your thoughts on this? How does this maybe set the stage for what we're going to listen to today? Well, I mean, it, it has a lot of the traits that I think are, if not unique to these games, very characteristic of their sound. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's a certain grittiness I think to the um, the sounds in the Mega Man X games, the that classic electric guitar sound that almost feels like it has this like chorus mm-hmm. effect to it, and all the drums have this biting kind of almost like slapback delay sound. Everything yeah. about it. There, and th- there's also those sort of pitch issues with the samples, um, but it, it gives. All the instruments, this this strange, like, phasey quality to it that, for whatever reason, perfectly matches the aesthetics of the game in my mind. I, I remember also yeah. feeling that um, when I used to play these games that the music and the sound effects were really married in the kind of biting, snarly tones that existed in the music were very similar to the... I, I can just imagine in my mind the sound of Mega Man's uh, buster, his like blaster that kind of right. compared with like the plucky, cute, you know, uh, 8-bit sounds that you would get in the original Mega Man games. This had a much snarlier tone to yeah. it. And the whole aesthetics of the point. game felt unified to me in that way. 
Yeah, you know, another cool thing is, and we have touched on this before, I'm sure it'll come up again today, some of the the interesting quirks of the implementation of the original Mega Man X. You have some pitch issues with, uh, you know, the way that the channels are layered, but what that does do is it does add a sense of realism uh, to to the sound here, you know, coming from the 8-bit stuff, and it is, it is possible that if you're, a, if you know, in the 90s, if you were a fan of Mega Man, you could have, you know, maybe just got done playing an 8-bit game and moving on to this, because they were still cranking cranking them out until something like 1994, I want to say. So they were cranking out those 8-bit games uh, pretty dang late for that for that era. So yeah, definitely going from that to this is is a leap forward, and you can hear that. You just as far as maybe how busy it is. Well, I think yeah, the whole spirit of uh, this new side series is that it's sort of like the next generation um, of Mega Man. Sure. And I think that's really kind of the whole idea behind every aspect of it is to sort of embrace what the super Nintendo can do and take the principles in mechanics, you know, of the original game, but create something more vast and, uh, deeper and have the license. Cause you know, what's interesting just chronology for the series is that Mega Man seven for the super Nintendo actually came out, um, after yeah. Mega Man X. So even That's though true. that original line continued and eventually made the transition, um, I think they wanted to do something a little bit more extreme to transition the series, you know, take it to the next level. Sure. And I mean, you know, I, I do kind of have to correct myself a little bit. You know, up top, I was saying that for some reason, I have this memory that Mega Man X was an early 16-bit game. But really, 1993 is kind of the heart of 16-bit. That's like right in the middle. So in some ways, it took them kind of a while to to get into the 16-bit Mega Man games. Like, they didn't have anything in 90, 91, or 92. So that's, that is interesting. Well, I think they were kind of riding the <laughs> the NES train for as long as they could. You know, I mean, the sequel after sequel and, yep. you know, those Mega Man games were, were selling pretty well, with the exception of probably like Mega Man 6, I imagine, didn't do very well because mm-hmm. it was, you know, so late in the lifespan. I mean, we're getting to the point where, you know, the N64 is almost on the scene. That's really funny. Okay, um, let's move on to the next track we're going to play. This one is quite interesting. Starts off um, with something that gives you this kind of icy connotation. The name here of the stage is Icy Penguigo Stage. Um, some sort of penguin um, boss, I would imagine, that you have to fight at the end of this stage. Um, so the track starts off with kind of that little icy arpeggio vibe, but then eventually it does get into something that rocks in a way that feels, you know, right at home for Mega Man X. Let's take a listen to Icy Penguigo Stage. guys are listening to a piece of music that uh, is also known by the name of Chill Penguin Stage. 
uh, one of the altered uh, titles of this is Icy Penguigo Stage. So whatever you grew up knowing this piece of music as, this is a this is a great melody here, and it has those rhythms that we you know came to know and love from games like Mega Man Two and Three and things like that. So it definitely kind of carries the torch rhythmically here. You know, it feels like one of those kind of uh, rock anthems, something that uh, you know Takashi Tateshi would be proud of as well. Yeah, I think that's true. It, it feels, um, if not quintessentially Mega Man, quintessentially Capcom. Uh, especially all these instruments, particularly that bass instrument, really reminds me of the Super Nintendo versions of Street Fighter. Um, sure. And again, that same kind of grungy drum sound. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of these tracks have this kind of metallic auxiliary percussion. This one doesn't have it so much, but it still has that... Again, I can't explain it, but doesn't it sound like every instrument has this like weird phase yes. effect to it, almost like a chorus or something? There is a little bit of that phase going on. Talking about this track, I actually think it's probably the most reminiscent of Mega Man 2 in this whole score for me. Something about it reminds me of the old 8-bit music. One thing that's interesting... Well, it also reminds me of Mega Man 7 a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. I think the reason for that is because Mega Man 7 was not as much of a rock score. It was more of like a synth dance pop score. And that's what we're actually getting here. Like the melody here isn't a guitar. The melody here is a synth lead and you have, you know, a little bit more soft colors than something like Launch Octopus Stage. So yeah, it's definitely a little bit of a departure. When I think of Mega Man X, it's, it's for the most part a hard rock soundtrack i mean hard rock is in quotes but (laughs) right this is kind of a different direction a little bit so let's let's move on we're gonna go to a track that is probably one of the most rocking i would say this is i don't know every time this track comes up i i just feel like okay now this is this is what i'm talking about this is classic Mega Man x uh if if i was gonna maybe show some someone what the sound of this game was this is a good track to introduce them to this is storm eagle stage let's take a listen Short and sweet. That is a really solid melody. Um, some of those rhythms, again, um, are rhythms that I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, but it seems like specifically video game rhythms there. These aren't rhythms that are really going to crop up in a lot of other genres. Sure. <laughs> uh, I think this is this is probably one of the most succinct uh, pieces of music in the game. It's a very short loop. Um, and the melody is, is very solid. I mean, right away you get an idea of, of kind of what it's all about and it, it kind of sticks with you in a way that maybe not a lot of other pieces uh, of music in this game do um yeah i think you know just musically speaking this is one that could lend itself really well to a lot of remixes i i can't think if i have heard a remix of this but i definitely am curious to to look for that maybe this week oh i'm sure there, there's there's tons with something this popular oh god yeah there's a lot of x remixes in general well i think you make a good point about the melodic rhythms uh they're they're all very driving and they kind of 
their, um, you know, their prototypical, you know, rock kind of, with like guitar riff rhythms, you know, starting with introducing the triplet, but to me the most, um, the part that feels most like guitar riffy is yeah. It has this like driving quality to it that's always propelling the music forward. It's it's just a wonderful riff, yeah. I, I think one of the coolest remixes, if I should give a shout out, um, you know what I'm gonna what I'm gonna try to do is after we play this next track, I'm gonna try to find the artist. Um, there was a really wonderful piano remix that I heard of the opening stage, the thing that we played in today, Mega Man X opening stage. There's a really cool piano remix that I think we may have featured on a remix episode. So uh, let's take a listen to uh, this piece of music. Uh, this next track and i'm gonna give a shout out to that artist so next one we have is boomer kuwanger stage let's take a listen such a 90s track <laughs> you really cannot escape the era that it was made in you have those orchestra hits this does remind me of capcom music uh, very arcade like sounds here you guys are listening to boomer kawanger stage from Mega Man x you can hear uh just in the the few tracks that we've played it definitely is clear that there are different composers working on this project because a lot of the tracks have a different um, melodic style, and I think that is one of the reasons why this is a interesting score. It's very uh, diverse, and there's a lot of tracks that keep spicing it up. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to what I mentioned before. Uh, Brian Roke is the name of the artist. He had a piano arrangement album that you can find. It's called Video Game Music Piano Arrangements Volume One, and he has a really cool intro stage remix. So, just a quick little shout out there. Will, what are your thoughts on Boomer Kawanger stage? Well, I think there's just there is this great. It's something I love about Capcom, but in the 80s and 90s, there was this like one Capcom sound, um, almost out of any you know video game publisher. The Capcom sound team really had a distinct style. Um, you know, obviously on the Super Nintendo, we can talk in terms of the instrument samples that they use, but I think compositionally, I mean, you mentioned that there's different composers working on these, and I think the, the different kind of genres or, I guess, tempo differences, you know, between tracks, um, is a little bit more evident, but what I love is a lot of things, you know, in terms of, again, the melodic rhythms, chord structure, the type of bass writing, and even just like mm-hmm. the, the the contrast between the A section and B section, how they work, 
there's this there's this continuity it's almost like this great template i can't explain it but it's like any great era of pop music where i completely um, agree as much you know innovation is happening from songwriter to songwriter they're almost all kind of buying into this common form this aesthetic of the time and that's how i feel about these capcom composers i mean uh, the way that b section works it, it, in this whole track you know you could tell me that this is um a lost piece from un squadron and i would also believe you you know i mean i, th- I think all those, there is a template you're that, right those capcom composers they have a certain way of approaching music, a cer- the barring a little bit from rock and jazz fusion and pop music and all the things we've talked about, but on the specifics of composing, you know, melody and harmony, um, and just kind of the musical needs that they're trying to fulfill, they're all they all seem to be coming to it from a similar place, and that's very evident. And I think all three of these soundtracks. Well, you make a wonderful point, and I think that's actually a reason why we should praise this because okay, there there definitely were some kind of templates and some textbook elements that were established. You know, who knows when they were established, but they were kind of followed from game to game, from system to system, and we are hearing that here. But basically what we're hearing well, I think is... that's really that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do that album Megabuster was to sort of mm-hmm. shine a light on it. And I think it's another reason why um some of that music from like Mega Man Nine or Mega Man Ten is so impressive. I mean, particularly that what is it, the like Windman stage or the where it's I just think like that's nine, yeah. Yeah, there's something about it that's so capturing. It's tapping into this era of Capcom. And it's something that I don't think has been articulated very much but sure. it's such a specific thing and when you hear it being sent up it's a very potent effect well i, I mean what I, what I was what i was trying to get at is that you have this specific set of uh already like predetermined rules maybe uh, this little universe that you have to create the music in and within that universe the fact that you can do something new and you can create a melody that stands up within that universe i think is is really impressive it's one of the reasons we love the Mega Man series so let's move on we have a couple more tracks to play from the first game here uh the next one is one of my favorites this is armored armadillo stage That is a wonderful melody. This is another piece of music that feels very unique to you know the other tracks we played. Definitely feels like this is a composer uh, that maybe we haven't heard from so far today because it's such a novel piece of music. This is Armored Armadillo. It sounds like a supervillain theme. It I, does. I can't explain it, but it, it has that 
that like bluesy, you know, deviousness, flat yeah. five thing that reminds me of like Spider Man or the old 1960s Batman theme. You know, there's it's like, like an this 80s, kind of, 90s theme song, kind of cartoon quality. Yeah, it's a super villainy song. It's a wonderful piece of music. And this is another track where, well, this is actually a perfect combination. This is almost like synth rock. Because you do have rock elements, but you also have some synths and stuff. It's it's very shredding. It's 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 a really fun piece of music. Yeah, it, the the way it's just so wonderful that and how it keeps holding on that one chromatic note. Oh, that's great. And then another thing that I really enjoy about this track is that it's a double time. Uh, you know, boom, kaboom, boom, That always kind of gets you grooving. So yeah, and it's yeah, I guess the it's not the song's good. This is the, the other thing that's nice. I mean, you know, we we try to talk about not the formula, but you know, the form of this music, the things that are common between all of it. But I think. Some Sometimes if you only focus on that, you can tend to miss uh, the instances where it breaks away from that. Yeah. You know, I, I think this is the same thing with any kind of music. My composition teacher talks about this all the time when we're studying classical music, where he sort of talks about that, you know, these composers have been dead for so many years. And because of that, people try to build up rules as between, you know, like when you see Bach, you're going to expect X, Y, and Z. But that's not the way those composers thought. And I think we can tend to do the same thing with video game music where we're like oh it's this music you know from the 90s capcom mega man it's gonna sound like you know fill in the blank but then we forget about you know classic tracks like this which yes they feel like they're of that spirit but this is also not the kind of piece of music that i think you would write if you were trying to parody mega Mm -hmm. man if you were trying to send it up it's classic and it has a great melody but there's so many things about it that are completely unique and i think you know this is a great contrast from the last track because the last track felt kind of like we're celebrating the things that are familiar Mm -hmm. and this is sort of celebrating the things that are different well that's a great point will i'm excited to move on to the last track we're going to play from Mega Man X and it's quite early for the playlist but it's time to move on to this week's track of the week really wanted to have a track of the week from the first game because it really is establishing what the sound of Mega Man X is and this track perfectly encapsulates maybe what what this experiment why it was so successful these composers came together and did something that is really cool really exciting and i think the energy of this piece of music in particular was really influential for you know for example yuki Iwai, who continued on to work on the second game uh, and even the third game a little bit so yeah this is just if i was going to show someone one piece of music for Mega Man x this would be it let's take a listen to spark mandrill stage (laughs) 
That really is one of the most rocking pieces of Super Nintendo music I think ever composed. This is Spark Mandrill Stage from Mega Man X, and I will be the first to admit that I think Mega Man X2 is my favorite of this uh, these three, first three scores, but this track, it's just hard to deny just how shredding this is, and it's, yeah, it, this this perfectly uh, sums up what is so great about the Mega Man X series. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. It's, it's so delightful. I really love how that intro riff is sort of like tagged at the end of the form. I love mm-hmm. that when, a, when the intro of a song or a piece, you know, starts off with this little melodic phrase, but then it becomes recontextualized later on in the tune, and it's like it happens in a different part in the measure, and it's just like, that's such a satisfying moment when a composer can use something that maybe you've only heard once, um, but it, it, especially at the end of a form, it really makes something feel satisfying, and it's that kind of, it's almost like poetry where it's like, it's it's rhyming something from earlier on. Right. You know what I enjoy about this track is, to to my ear, you can hear that it was composed on a piano and then implemented for this rock ensemble because like some of those rhythms are easy rhythms to play on a keyboard super hard to actually play on a guitar like you know the space between those it'd be it'd be really hard to play that riff but you know with the super nintendo it's going to be flawless and that's one of the reasons this music is so exciting is because it's hard fast shredding music but you know the the spc is 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 you know is playing it perfectly sure yeah i i i love those melodic it's so good yeah Yeah. this is a really great melody and i think yeah having that kind of um one of those cliche rock rhythms we hear all the time in video game music the you know right um we often call it like the ease bass rhythm just because it happens Mm -hmm. so much in that falcom music um but it's really just like a classic video game gesture and it can become sort of a palette all its own for a song to exist in but the other thing i love about that intro not just how it's tagged later but the rhythmic sort of displacement of it the like it's so syncopated but all the instruments are kind of accenting those hits so yeah. you don't really get a context as far as like what's the tempo what's the groove until it sort of starts mm-hmm. off and so hearing it recontextualize but with the drums and everything supporting it it's it's like a such a different feel you know yeah it, it makes total sense why this is track of the week i do think there are other tracks that i might like better but there's no other track that really kind of sums up what is maybe unique about the sound of Mega Man x it's absolutely quintessential well i'm excited guys we're going to move on to Mega Man x too this is an amazing i think it's underrated soundtrack to x2 is just phenomenal what's so weird is you know the first x game we had um, potentially too many cooks in the kitchen hard to say i mean i think that was maybe the reason why it was such a diverse soundtrack but here for whatever reason capcom decided that no we're just going to have one composer do the soundtrack to Mega Man x2 and it was yuki uwai uh, she is such a great composer and really had a clear vision when she started work on this game because the soundtrack to X2 is a lot more concise. It's a lot more direct and specific, and it does go off into some different directions. It's Overall, I'll say it doesn't rock quite as much. 
I think the melodies are stronger. I think it's a little bit more um, melodic and interesting and uh, maybe expressive, but it is a little bit different. So, I mean, if someone's a big fan of Mega Man X, it's possible that they might, you know, miss some of the rock, uh, but it still is a rocking soundtrack and it's a wonderful soundtrack. Let's take a listen to uh, the opening of the game. This is Plot of the X Hunters from Mega Man X2. Amazing. You guys are listening to Plot of the X-Hunters from Mega Man X2. This is so badass. But what's so interesting is we don't have any guitars here. It's a rock song that's played with nothing but synthesizers. We have brass, synthesizers, bass, and drums. And it's definitely a different sound. I mean, overall, the implementation is, is very polished. It sounds better than what we heard with Mega Man X. It sounds very crystal clear and clean. We don't have those pitch issues that we had before, but it is a little bit of a different uh, style. Will, what are your thoughts about uh, Plot of the X Hunters? Yeah, I think it's it's great. It has sort of a, a fervent energy, you know, once it starts off. I, I like those kind of parallel power chord sort of harmonies but within that um you know more like jazzy melodic chord structure uh another thing a little jazzier another thing i really like about (laughs) this track it's just sort of how short it is and i love that it ends with almost that sound effect of mega man like charging up the cannon and then the well, that yeah, little, it's the, it's the intro. Metal. So what's great is it doesn't have to have a loop like it's scoring an actual specific, you know, static thing. For sure. So now it's time to move on to, we heard the opening. Now let's listen to the opening stage. It's called The Maverick's Last Stand. Awesome track by Yuki Iwai. Alright guys, we're getting a little bit of the rock guitars mixed in here. This is definitely a fusion here. Uh, yeah, you know, Will brought up a good point. There's a little bit more of a jazzy influence to, to Mega Man X2. It, it rocks and the tempos are really fast and we still have those shredding rhythms and the melodies, I, like I said, I think the melodies are a little stronger, um, but it definitely feels like there's like a little bit more of a fusion happening maybe uh, as far as some of the genres that it's pulling from. Um, I think this is a is a really good example of of writing something that feels new and fresh, 
but also feels like it fits in the series. Like, I think if you're a fan of Mega Man X and you listen to this track, you know, playing this opening stage, I think you're going to be really happy. I think you're going to jam out to this because it feels familiar, but it also feels new. And I think that is the best you could hope for, you know, working on the sequel uh, to this game. Yeah, the other thing um, so far about this music is that it feels much more guitar-centric compositionally. I mean, we talked about that last one didn't have the... Hmm. um, maybe the same samples but you know with synths like that it's it's hard to tell what it's you know necessarily trying to approximate um but in general the kind of use of almost power chord harmonies which is just like these parallel third lists you know open fifths or fourths moving up and down and we talk about how it's jazzy but it's jazzy in like a guitar way where for instance like take that opening kind of chord thing you know it's sort of a very simple ascending chord progression but it creates this sound of like a Mm -hmm. it creates this dissonance of a a major ninth in the highest voice but it's just moving up in fifths but then when you have that that final chord hit against that pedal bass note it creates this sort of jazziness but it's led to in a very simple way that almost seems like something that would be more intuitive on a guitar, which is, I, I just think, an interesting thing to talk about because I remember, Carl, you mentioned with that last soundtrack that it all sounded very piano centric. And I'm sure, you know, I imagine all this music was still written on the piano, but I think this was Yuki Iwai's um, way into sort of a rock sound is by utilizing a lot of those power chord harmonies because that wasn't something sure. that I felt that we got a lot with Mega Man X, the original. Well, another way that it reminds me of guitar music is how you have that repeated kind of one five one arpeggio, and that never changes. That is something that uh, guitar music has a lot. So really cool. Well, stuff. and the way it's almost like uh, the way its context changes across the bar. It's almost like this three against two kind of thing where there's three notes in it um but when it repeats it's on a it's at a different point in the measure so it's that thing that um it's just like something that's slightly off that gives you a really cool context for a rock groove i love when that happens in music well let's move on to what's interesting is these next two tracks Definitely are maybe some of the best in Mega Man X2, but what's interesting is they go off in a different direction. They both feature um, melodic material played on this kind of metallic instrument that, you know, with, with SNES sometimes it's hard to really say what it is. It's either like a music box or uh, maybe like a glockenspiel. I'm not sure what, what it would actually be in real life, but it's this metallic instrument that's used on these next two pieces of music um, that really feel iconic to Mega Man X2 for me. So let's take a listen to Weather Wizard, composed by Yuki Iwai.
You guys listening to Weather Wizard, very different from all the other pieces we've heard so far. It starts off with something that feels a lot more um, kind of climactic than, than anything we've heard. But this lead is what I'm talking about here. I still don't know exactly what I would say that is. Uh, it's some sort of metallic bell instrument, but uh, Yuki Y uses it to great I think effect. It's, yeah, it sounds like, like a general MIDI xylophone or something. Sure. Yeah, and then another thing that's so classic for me about the sound of Mega Man X2 are those brass, the way that the, you know that brass sample is harmonized. It's just, it's just a great brass sample. We've actually used it in our work uh, a couple times. Yeah, there's, there's so many classic Capcom instruments. I mean, the guitars, the brass... Uh, uh, the drums in general, the sound of the instruments on Mega Man 2 is actually a little bit different, which wasn't, you know, in, in my mind, you know, all the games kind of had the same sound set because I think uh, they have certain similar instruments. But, you know, hearing them back to back, this stuff doesn't have that kind of gritty phase, you know, sound to it the same way that the the first game did. I wonder if there's just, yeah. you know, slightly better um you know intonation but there was something about the first game that really rocked because it felt so unstable in a way that you know maybe it was almost like really out of tune or it something it felt like it was about to explode almost where this one feels more in control it, yeah it felt like like garage band music not like the not mm-hmm. the program but like music that would be you know the played location. in a garage is really grungy <laughs> Well, let's move on to a very close uh, choice that I also considered for track of the week. I love this track. This is one of my favorites in the whole series. Let's take a listen to Dangerous Reef. I love this track. This is Dangerous Reef from Mega Man X2, composed by the wonderful Yuki Iwai, one of my favorite composers. This is also known as Bubbly Crab Stage, and oh my gosh, yeah, this this might take the cake for Mega Man X2 for me. I just think, I don't know, the implementation is so polished, and she's even hearkening back to 8-bit here. You hear this is kind of like a NES pulse lead kind of a sound. I don't know. It's just it's just really masterful video game music. Well, and this one also does the same thing where it's these kind of eighth note repeated rhythms, but the, it's like an ostinato that has three notes in it, um, but there's only two eighth notes per quarter note, so mm-hmm. it, there's like this interesting displaced thing that happens it's through it. It's wonderful. very similar to that um, Maverick's Last Stand track that we were listening to. Well, if you guys are ready to rock out, I think it's time to play maybe the most rocking track of X2. This is Volcano's Fury. Enjoy.
That's badass. I really, really dig this track. Volcano's Fury from Mega Man X2, and this is a piece that we've never played on the podcast. So glad to finally get this in. Also known as Flame Stagger Stage is one of the alternate titles of this. Uh, this is cool. Will, how about that dun 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 dun? Isn't that a really striking uh, section of the piece? It's very epic. Uh, something that I think is unique about the Mega Man series, and maybe not this track in particular, but that all the music kind of needs to have a, a somewhat consistent energy level because the whole idea is that you know you can play the stages in sort of any order you want with the exception of the final stages um so typically the music doesn't amp up and it it's all in this you know similar place because it might be the first level to one person but it might be you know the seventh level to another person um so the idea is that it has to underscore the environment but it 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 doesn't have the luxury of sort of amping up from level to level but i think is interesting about Mega Man x2 is that really there is this sort of clear dichotomy in terms of what tracks feel a little bit lighter and feel you know in a conventional video game idea that would feel more like earlier stages and this is something that you know feels like final battle you know it's so rocking and epic yeah it'd be hard to imagine someone playing this early early on in the game Gosh, it's so wonderful. All right, we have a couple more we're going to play from Mega Man X2. Let's now move on to, I think the next one we're going to play is another fairly epic piece of music. This is Red Alert, composed by Yuki Awai. Enjoy. Wow, this is so awesome. Yeah, Yuki Awai has such a unique compositional style. I'm a huge fan of all the work she's done. And it's cool is that she was an original composer on Mega Man X. So she was the only person that was, you know, decided to, to be brought from that to continue the series. And she did such a great job. It's taking it to new heights. Uh, this piece reminds me of Volcano's Fury. They kind of seem like they both have a similar energy level, kind of a similar epicness. And there's parts in both of these pieces where they kind of stop in a way that is not really typical for kind of 16-bit era music to really kind of stop and like do these kind of start and stop. Um, It feels more maybe like something that film music would do, not something that uh, rock video game music would do. Yeah, it it totally rocks, though. You know, I think there's almost an interesting psychological experiment that happens when you have... Uh, a variety of different composers working on one series and they're all sort of tasked with the goal of carrying this through line of sort of a consistent musical identity because they all bring different things with them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's certain things about this piece that really feel like you can tell, oh, what Yuki Awai hears as Mega Man 
is a melody that sounds like this and uses these kinds of intervals and then yeah. you know is harmonized in this way there's certain things about it that it's like it definitely sounds like other pieces in the series yet the things that she's choosing to do it doesn't necessarily capture everything that made the original Mega Man games great, but that's her take as a composer. You know, if you give it to another composer, they might capture a different aspect that Yuki Awai didn't yeah. capture, but they might miss what she had. You know, you notice all the time in video game series, um, particularly with these Japanese franchises where you have different composers and they're and instead of trying to establish, you know, their own brand new identity, they're really trying to carry this torch you know i mean it happens all the time with nintendo franchises where different composers will try to emulate koji kondo but end up inevitably creating their own sound by focusing on only this certain element and what i think is great about this track is sort of the first half of it feels like you know this is her impression of this is what you know Mega Man music is but then you get into that second section that it's so unique you know um it really rocks in like a genuine sense it's not concerned with being like melodic or cute um it um, and it it's definitely just feels trying like a departure, to rock, but yeah. it's, it's, it's something that makes it feel unique. And, um, you know, she gives her own identity a little bit to the series. She gives her all to the series. Yeah. No, you, I got mad love for Yuki Awai. We're going to play one more track for Mega Man X2 before we move on to, I believe Will's favorite. I think X3 might actually be Will's yeah, personal that's definitely favorite. My so favorite. that's cool. Yeah. So that's really cool. We got some great music coming up. Let's play Sinister Gleam from Mega Man X2. You guys are listening to Sinister Gleam from Mega Man X2. And Will, you brought up something interesting when we were listening to this track, something that is maybe unique to video games that we don't, again, that we don't get in outside outside genres. What, what, were, you, what were you talking about when we were playing this track? Well, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious. We've talked about this a lot, but video game music that uses the Dorian mode... Um, just, I guess, a little refresher for those of you who aren't familiar. We've talked about the modes before, but there's something that goes back, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years to some of the earliest, you know, written music. Um, before we had major keys and minor keys, we had the modes, Dorian, Ionian, Aeolian, Phrygian, you know, you've probably, maybe you've heard of these terms, but they're essentially scales that we could imagine being built on, let's say you're in C major, um, a scale just using all of those white notes, but being on different degrees. So Dorian would be like the um, mode that would start from D to D using only the white notes. Um, and anyways, it, it's it gives that it a different of, sound. It's, yeah, it's that classic sound where it feels like it's in minor, but it has some chords that um, are borrowed from a major tonality. There is a an epicness to it and a grandness to it that it has a folk quality to it. I mean, I think. That 
the thing is... But what you were saying, which is interesting, is why is it so common in video games and nowhere else? Well, yeah, because I, I, in a, I mean, we've talked about how it's used. I mean, for instance, like the World of Warcraft episode, you know, we talked about how music that's meant to evoke this medieval sound will use modes. And that makes sense to me. I, I get that. That's almost like a cliche. But what I don't get is so much video game music... But then why are they doing it here? ...uses Dorian mode when it's trying to just, you know, be a straightforward rocking thing. Yeah. And what I don't get about that is... I think there is a bit of rock music that tends to be modal, but it's usually only if it's ever trying to sound like Celtic. Yeah. And I don't think most video game music that uses the Dorian mode is doing that. My theory is that it comes from rock music that's written on a piano. Sure. You know, because, and I think a big part of it has to do the bump, bump, bump. Bum, 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 bum. That simple kind of ascending in thirds thing that it's almost, uh, you know, easier to write in dorian than minor i think I don't really know. it gets back to what we were talking about before is that there are these templates that were created and you know these japanese composers have created these templates and you keep using them because it keeps working so that might be one reason is that you know it works yeah, i mean i'm sure there's all kinds of reasons it might be a more innate thing where like the dorian mode is empowering you know maybe just mm -hmm. the minor mode by itself tends to be a little bit of a downer and dorian has that bit of hopefulness to it it does and have it's very hope to heroic it. um but i just think it's interesting because we talk a lot about how game music borrows from other genres and that's something that it just kind of seems like it emerged on its own that without really much communication, different video game composers were all kind of using this Dorian mode right. in different contexts, but it, there must be something innate about just how it makes you feel. It's very empowering. Well, guys, I'm really excited. I know Will's excited to move on to Mega Man X3. And what's so cool about this soundtrack is it was composed by a freelancer. Kanoyo Yamashita is a composer that never really worked for Capcom proper. <laughs> you may have um, heard of her. But she she got her start at Konami working on Castlevania and then went on to work for a bunch of different companies. She did work with uh, Iku Mizutani a lot. They were frequent collaborators. But yeah, for whatever reason, she got the job <laughs> to compose Mega Man X3. I really think she's one of the all-time greats. I think she writes up some there, of the yeah. most outstanding melodies. Uh, and having her on the Mega Man series is like, I don't know, just as a fan of this series and the the legacy that its music has you know mm -hmm. having uh yamashita on the score is like such a big deal because the konami and capcom worlds always sort of feel like these two great you know monarchies but they also feel so similar and so yeah. like, have having someone from the konami world go over to the capcom side is a really cool thing and i think it's amazing and she kills this soundtrack and she nails the sound to me though she nails like it really is probably one of the best things she's ever done yeah I say, it's Mega Man X3. so let's take a listen to the opening stage from x3 
This rocks. You guys are listening to opening stage from Mega Man X3, composed by Kinoyo Yamashita. This is so awesome. Yeah, I, she definitely brings her own energy into this. You know, what's interesting is sound-wise, it does feel a little bit more reminiscent of the first Mega Man X game. Some of those guitar samples, and actually there are a little bit of pitch issues in, in this soundtrack that we didn't have in X2. Um, but compositionally, doesn't this feel just so pure? I also feel like it's super, it reminds me of Yoko Shimomura, which is what's so amazing mm-hmm. is that it it sounds like Capcom. It She completely yeah. nails all of the sort of staples of that sound that I think um, we were mentioning earlier. This is an absolute classic track that I do think is similar to X2. This is underrated. I mean, I think I will. I'm just going to say this right now. X2 and X3 are are much better than X than X. Like musically, like these melodies are so great, so classic. But Mega Man X is definitely the one that is usually held up more than 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 these two. Um, and I'm not really sure why that is. Maybe the game itself was more popular. It was the first in the series. But I just can't get enough of, you know, 2 and 3. Just ha- really, that's the big reason why we wanted to do this episode, was to focus on uh, these two soundtracks. Well, I, this is such a great video game melody. I mean, the f- how much it just relies on that ninth. And just like the emotional tension that's created from that. It's but all about that nine. When it becomes more moving. And it's that same technique that we were talking about before where you have, um, you know, there's almost too many notes for a more compact rhythm. And so the context mm-hmm. of as it loops, it's at different places in the measure and it's what makes it feel really groovy and satisfying. But there's also oh, a cuteness so to it. It's like inherently video gamey, that kind of... And rhythm. it's Japanese through and through. It's very, yeah, very, <laughs> very much so. All right, uh, let's move on to. I think this is Will's favorite piece of music in the series. Am I right, Dude, Will? You know that this is my favorite piece of music in the series. He got a lot of love for Zero from Mega Man X3, composed by the legendary Kinuyo Yamashita. Let's take a listen. This is absolutely masterful. She comes in, she comes out. It's so short. What she's able to get done <laughs> in this amount of time, she gets more done here, like emotionally, than, you know, m- pretty much everything we've heard so far today. And it's the shortest thing we've heard. It's just amazing. I mean, to me, this is by far the best melody in the series. I mean, so many of the themes that we've heard, you know, there's a there's a nice part of the A section, or it rocks, and it's 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 nice. Right. But there's nothing that just, like, grabs you the way this does. I mean, this has Melodically that... Melodically speaking, this is, you're right. Like, I would argue that this is a perfect melody, and there's not really anything we've heard today that gets into the territory of being perfect. This is in the territory of, like... Every note is absolutely pure and beautiful. 
I want to hear a faithful remix of this with a live rock band. You would need a lot of guitars. You would need at least three guitars. What's so cool about this track, obviously the melody's great, but you have the dun 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 Like the rhythms of those power chords are really cool, and it grooves so well against the melody. And that's another thing where it's like, not only is the melody so good, but the groove of the song is airtight. And that is something that kind of elevates it to that next level. And it just makes it feel like a classic. Well, the other thing that's kind of interesting, the, the character Zero in these games has sort of an interesting function. He's almost always introduced uh, fairly early on in the game in a really heroic way. He's like sort of who the main character, you know, like almost looks up to. He's this hero um and in the first game he has this you know this more kind of straight ahead rock power chords thing um uh but in this in this game it's this beautiful like rock ballad the chords are really emotional Mm -hmm. the melody it's that same thing that we talk about with uh manami matsumai where you know even though it's done in this rock cone of paint you could play Mm -hmm. this as a slow piano ballad and it would bring a tear to your eye it's that kind of melody that's intricately composed and deeply emotional as well but what i so enjoy is i enjoy this video game arrangement of it because you're right the melody stands on its own but having that really syncopated bass and guitar and and drum beat you know underneath the melody is is what makes it get to that next level for me because i happen to love uh, when video game music does that, where you take a right. beautiful melody, but it's played in like this groovy context. Sure. Well, I mean, that this is the kind of thing that when we were working on Megabuster, this was the one of the pieces that in, inspired me the most. It, it, the idea of, you know, something can rock and feel exciting, but you don't even realize how much you're being affected emotionally because of the rhythms. I know for sure why you love this track so much. And I will say that this is probably the most beautiful track in the series without a doubt and maybe one of the most beautiful Mega Man tracks ever it's so beautiful um i think people like Mega Man music usually for other reasons than melodic beauty so maybe it's not surprising why uh this wouldn't be everyone's you know first thing they think about when they think about great uh Mega Man music yeah, i mean i think for someone who's a fan of the first two nes soundtracks this scratches that same itch let's move on to a wonderful track this is gravity beetle stage That's such a wonderful melody, and it actually shares some rhythmic similarity to what we heard before in Zero. You know, you have some of those dun, 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 similar rhythms on the guitar. Great melody. This is a really interesting combination of some of the elements we were introduced in Mega Man X, uh, but there is a little bit more, there's like more to this track, like emotionally. There's a little bit more weight 
to this to the soundtrack in general. It's just yeah, these melodies really tug at you. They're they're emotional, but they're also like this is a track that rocks as well as is beautiful, you know. Yeah, it's another very heroic melody. Mm-hmm. It's also using the Dorian mode, using that ascending what do you know? uh, minor scale. It's very heroic. I can imagine in a different context, um, it it sounds like sort of a I don't know. Will did we did we use this in the Five Finger Fanfare? I don't think so. It's possible oh, actually. We, we might have. I can't. Rem- yeah, I think we did actually. <laughs> we absolutely did. I changed my mind, yeah. All right, guys, uh, let's move on to this next piece of music. I believe we've never played this on the show. This is Volt Catfish Stage. Interesting. You guys are listening to Volt Catfish Stage. It actually has some elements of uh, Mega Man X2. I'm hearing too in, in, in this piece of music. But yeah, this again, it's it's just it feels like it's pulling from a lot of different sources. I will say that uh, in this track, she doesn't really reach the heights that she does in a track like Zero or even Gravity Beetle Stage. This feels. Um, a little bit more just kind of reminiscent of like things we've all heard before like we've kind of heard all of these elements before and she's putting them together in a new way but it doesn't necessarily feel um like anything uh, like kind of revolutionary it's just kind of I think part of that is just the context though though to me i mean put, putting this next to some of the x2 stuff or the x1 stuff it's every bit as good in my opinion i mean i think it works well yeah it's not i don't think it's going for the same like melodic heights it's a more simple rock rhythmic Mm -hmm. kind of a a thing and i mean i i I think i i would feel differently if it was going for this kind of pure melody thing and it feels awkward or it's sort of missing the mark but I, i you know it's just a different kind of piece and i think like you said before i mean one of the primary functions of this series is the groove is the rhythmic elements it kind of making it feel like you know there's a rock band in your super nintendo those hard rock, there's like hard uh, distorted guitar arpeggios do remind me of what Yuki Iwai did in the Mavericks Last Stand. So there, there does seem to be, definitely she's familiar with the series and she's, uh, you know, trying to make this fit at home in the Mega Man X series. So she's doing a great job. All right, guys, last track of the day, last track from Mega Man X3. This is a beautiful track. Uh, you know, in tradition for video games, a lot of times when you have the credits music, you get to be a little bit more happy and sunshiny, and you don't necessarily need to worry about being as cool. Uh, so let's take a listen to a really happy piece. This is Cast Roll from Mega Man X3, composed by Kanuyo Yamashita.
This is the cast role from Mega Man X3. Uh, I think this is more than meets the eye to this piece. I think to a lot of us that oh, are yeah. familiar with video game music, we hear some of these uh, chord progressions and maybe melodic gestures that feel almost on the nose. But what I think is really brilliant about how she's done this is she saves those great chromatic uh, chord moments until the key change the the whole first part of the melody is completely diatonic mm -hmm. all the chords are within the key all the movement um you know there's no altered chords or borrowed chords or you know different pitches everything is so simple and pure and that's why it says i think like carl said it has this like sunshiny primary colors but then yep. here you know she does this great modulation where it goes up like a half step and now when she repeats the melody it's doing that chromatically mm -hmm. descending bass line that feels right at home in credits music but instead of just going for it right away she saves up that moment by using it as a key change and i think there's something kind of brilliant about it's a great saving moment. the chromaticism for that and something that sets it's it apart a beautiful from track. other music like this so that's just kind of what i wanted to mention no, that's. I'm glad you mentioned that. And, you know, it's a great way to close our episode. It really makes me feel all warm and gooey inside. That's, you know, Kanoyo Yamashita has a gift for that. And so wonderful to round out this trilogy uh, focusing on her music. Wow, what a solid playlist this was. You know, guys, we, we got to mention so many great tracks we couldn't play. And this is just the first three. You know, our first idea was... Um, okay maybe we could just spotlight on x and that would be fun but like honestly for us x2 and 3 were what we loved more so then we thought of that idea doing the trilogy but you know we are leaving out the later entries and there's some cool music uh for the later entries so yeah we'll try to yeah next week so right now <laughs> <laughs> i think a Mercado radio is a great a great place to to maybe play some music from the later x games because there's some cool stuff that happens there for sure all right guys we're gonna play you out with another track from x2 this one is called pan Panzer des Drakens, really weird, interesting name for this track. Uh, but yeah, from X2, this is composed by Yuki Y. Really cool track, so stick around for this, guys. A couple things to plug. You can follow us on Twitter, at Mercado Bros. Our website is supermarcadobros.com. You can like us on Facebook. Uh, you can subscribe to us and rate us on iTunes. Um, that's a great way, uh, you know, when you leave us a review, it's a way for other people to discover the show. And recently, uh, last week, we had the Kellys on of Overclocked Podcast. That's another great podcast you guys should check out. We've been on there, both of us individually, uh, you know, in the past few weeks. Uh, so, yeah, it's always fun to kind of collaborate with another them. Another thing that we have to mention is uh, coming up in November is Gamers Rhapsody. Ooh, and for those of you yes. that are, um, you know, in the Twin Cities, uh, and by that I mean St. Paul, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Twin Cities. Are we going to announce that now? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it's it's time. Uh, I, we're going to do another panel. You know, we've done that for the last couple of years. Um, we're going to be doing another panel, but something really exciting for this year at Gamers Rhapsody is we're going to be performing live music. Carl, Marty, myself. With a live band. Yeah, and our, our friend Jaime, we're going to be doing some covers of classic uh, video game music and I'm super excited about it's this. It's going to be a blast guys. It's going to be, we've never really done anything like this before so we definitely have our work cut out for us and we've been practicing. There's synthesizers, there's keyboards, yeah. there's bass guitars. It's going to be 
wonderful. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're even close to the area, you should come out. And Carl, what date is that? That's November 18th, right? November 18th is when we're playing. It's a Friday. Uh, it's that weekend. Uh, Gamers Rhapsody takes place in Minneapolis. Come out, guys. It's going to be a party. So yeah, if you if you live in the Midwest, you should come to Gamers Rhapsody. It's sort of a new upstart. I think this will be like the third or fourth year that it's happening. The third year. And if you you should definitely come if you're interested in seeing the Marcado Bros play some video game music live. So, all right, guys, we'll be back with you next week. My name is Carl Brueggemann. I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. Peace <laughs> out.